Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 79 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by the infamous Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So this show is... As I said, episode number 79, to be honest, I really didn't see us going this far. I didn't think we'd actually be here at episode 79, so uh, it is remarkable that we're still going. Thank you very much again for our continued support from the listeners. Um, This show, of course, is, if you haven't listened before, part one, we're going to talk about the fights from last week. Part two, we're going to talk about the fights coming up this week. We will also have a little segment where we talk about the news, and I'm sure we're going to also be predicting a few fights this week. I as there's a lot of um, you know different fights coming on in the UK, fights that are happening worldwide that we're going to get into. So we will get onto that, and we will predict a few outcomes. Um, we're going to start with part one now. Part one, we're going to start with a card that happened last week. This one, we're going to start with a place. Uh, a place called the MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland, USA. One fight really to mention on that bill. One proper fight, another fight on the undercard. We'll start with the main event. Dimitri Bivol successfully defended his interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title and moved to 10-0 with a... TKO in round four over Samuel Clarkson. Samuel Clarkson, 19 and three, now 19 and four. Clarkson was down twice in round one and once in round four, I believe. Uh, also on the bill, Hassim Rackman Jr., the son of Hassim Rackman Sr., of course. He made his debut. He picked up a TKO in round one, so he starts his career with a bang. Uh, his opponent was also making his debut, so not too sure how good he was or anything, but good win there for Hassim Rackman Jr. Going over now to Spain in the Palacio de los Deportes in San Pedro, Andalusia, uh, and Donny Gargo. We're going to give him a little mention. Former opponent of Lee Selby in Lee Selby's last fight. He picked up a TKO, or a KO actually, in round two over Mark Cesaro. Ross, who had an unbeaten record of 4-0, and so a decent little win there for Andoni Gargo, back to winning ways after being, uh, well, beaten pretty convincingly by Lee Selby. Moving over now to the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. This bill was a bill that certainly got my eyes last week. Um, eyes, firstly... We're going to talk about the undercard. I think we should start with the undercard. The televised bill seemed to last very long. There was, um, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to get round to it, but if I'm not mistaken, they showed, I think it was one, two, three, four, five fights on the televised bill on uh, on Sky Sports. And four of them went the distance. So it was one of those kind of fight cards what you were really looking forward to, but it kind of went a little bit too long and I don't want to be overcritical because you know the guys that were fighting were in good fights it was a decent little bill but 
Um, you know, it, it, it did kind of have that feel to it, that card. We're going to start with the undercard. I think we should start with Lawrence Socoli, the only man on the uh, televised feed that picked up a knockout. He scored another knockout in round one. He had his opponent down three times, so his record now 2-0 and with two first-round knockouts. Lawrence Socoli is a man who, I was watching it, and, and to be honest, he... He is a little bit stiff. He's a little bit um, over-eager to perform. Um, but we should remember that he is also... I think he's only had about 30, maybe 31 fights in his whole career. That's amateur and pro. So he's very, very inexperienced. And to get into the Olympics last year and to to you know to, to kickstart his pro career in the way he has, I think people need to bear that in mind, including myself. Um, you know, it's not time to just jump the gun with him. He's only a two-fight novice as a pro, and he's only a 20 something fight novice as an amateur so we do need to bear that in mind we do need to definitely you know bide his bide our time with him we need to be patient with him but he definitely is a talent um to be completely honest even though he had his opponent down three times and his opponent had a record of 22 and 29 by the way so a decent you know decent decent record there for just a second fight even though he was down three times he seemed to it was kind of waved off a little bit too quick. I know that might sound a bit mad, but he was getting quite into it, I think, the the, the opponent of Akoli. And he landed with a couple of good shots that, that really hit Akoli flush. I mean, they didn't seem to bother him, but that was a bit question marky, you know. So, good win nonetheless for Lawrence Akoli. But, you know, we do want to see him in there. It's funny because we want to see him in there with, uh, with these high level fights already we're already talking about Isaac Chamberlain's and how you know and, and whatever else but we really have to you know pace this guy and he's he's he's, he's very inexperienced so of course we've got to be patient but we are excited for his future Josh Kelly now I'm going to talk about he was in there against Jay Byrne who had a record of four and one so a good start there to Josh Kelly's pro at career a debut obviously it was scheduled for six rounds which is always good it's good to see prospects or debutants and former olympians going in there with the you know with the six rounds rather than a four rounder or anything like that josh kelly won every round he um <laughs> you would have never watched it and thought that this was his debut he was supremely confident his hands were down, he was relying on reflexes, he was very fast, he looked powerful, he looked the part. He is, I mean, from what I saw there, he looked like a star in the making. He really, really did. Um, I don't follow the amateur game too much, so I can't really tell you too much about how decorated his amateur career is. But I will say that he did, he did well in the Olympics last year. And, you know, it was refreshing to see a debut like that because you do not see that much. Obviously, he's being guided by Adam Booth in the training terms, but he was really impressive. And I've got to say, some people may disagree. He looked a lot like David Hay, like a young David Hay in the way that he was relying on his reflexes, the way he was throwing shots. You know, his footwork was really good. He honestly resembled a lot a lot of the style that David Hay used to have when he was in his cruiserweight days, you know, maybe a couple fights at heavyweight, 
he did look a lot like David Hay. So that was really good because David Hay's style of fighting was really exciting. So it was great to see that in Josh Kelly. Um, good win for him. He's now 1-0. and uh, Moving up the bill, Joe Ham picked up a points win over Scott McCormack. 5-2 and two with one draw. Now 5-3 and three with one draw. And Joe Ham also picked up the vacant Celtic Super Bantamweight title. Also on the bill, Charlie Flynn was in there against Ryan Collins. Ryan Collins 13-2, and Charlie Flynn 8-0 and undefeated. An accidental head clash left Flynn with a diagonal cut above the left eyebrow, which required 25 stitches, and it went down as a technical draw after three rounds. It had to be stopped because the cut was so bad, so that's a bit of a, a, bit of a halt, a bit of a uh, spanner in the works there for Charlie Flynn, but nonetheless... He gets out again, I suppose. Charlie Edwards was on the bill as well. He fought Ian Butcher. This one was for the vacant British super flyweight title. Charlie Edwards won every single round very clearly. Um, you know, he was he was boxing really well. He, he seemed to be a class above Butcher, really. I think most people thought that going in. I certainly thought that. Barry Jones, he actually made a comment saying that he didn't think it was going to go all Charlie Edwards' way on last week's podcast and you know he was he was wrong there because it did go all Charlie Edwards' way. Butcher actually weighed in over the championship limit as well so the title wasn't on the line for him. It was only up for grabs for Charlie and Charlie did it. So good win for him. I'm pleased for him. He moves to double figure wins now. Ten wins and of course the one loss at world level we should remember. Ian Butcher 16 and 3 but a valiant effort from him. Moving up the undercard now again, Scotty Cardle. He was in there against Robbie Barrett. Robbie Barrett, a huge underdog. Scotty Cardle, 21-0 with the one draw undefeated. Robbie Barrett, 14-2 with one draw. It was the third defence, well I should say the fourth defence, because Scott Cardle won the British title, defended it twice, got a draw, so he needed to defend it that last time, the third time. Once he did that, he would win the belt outright. This was his third and final, or fourth and final defence, I should say. And he put his opponent down in round two. And he also put his opponent down again in the fight. I can't remember which round it was. And it ended up being a majority decision win for Robbie Barrett. A real upset there. He definitely deserved it. Um, he won pretty much, for me, he won pretty much uh, pretty much every round apart from the two rounds he was knocked down in. And those two knockdowns, especially the first one, he seemed to get hit with a shot. Fair enough. But... He was off balance, and Cardle's foot was behind his foot, so he kind of went backwards and tripped over his foot. So it wasn't really, you know, I suppose a punch did land. It was hard for the referee to determine that in a split second, but the knockdowns were not, you know, he wasn't hurt in those knockdowns at all. He did seem to gas a little bit as well, by the way, um, Robbie Barrett, by the by the latter rounds, whereas Cardle's got a good gas tank. Cardle was cut and everything, we've seen that before. Cardle's a warrior, but it was not meant to be. And a lot of people, unfortunately, a lot of people are very happy because a lot of people criticise Scotty Cardle's opponents. You know, he's, he hasn't really had the best opponents when defending his title. Luke Campbell's been kept 
completely the other side of the room to Scott Carter in the whole time. Luke Campbell's been a pro. And, um, you know, we do want to see boxers coming through, winning these proper titles, going the traditional route, maybe getting the English, the British, moving on to European, then world. And, you know, we, we expect those kind of things from Luke Campbell, but he's surpassed that and gone on to the WBC internationals and stuff like that and the WBC silvers, which, you know, it's all good and well, but for me, I'm not a huge fan of it. I do like seeing people move quickly, but I also do like the traditional way. I suppose you can't get both all the time. But that's it for the undercard. Moving over now to the main event. Ricky Burns 41 and 5 with one draw going into this fight. Julius Indongo 21 and 0 with 12 knockouts. We didn't know too much about Indongo. He was the IBF World Super Lightweight Champion. Obviously the IBO uh, Super Lightweight Champion as well. And Ricky Burns was putting his WBA World Super Lightweight title on the line as well. It was a unification fight. Wow. Firstly, as I want to come to you on this fight, we didn't know too much about Indongo. As I just said there, we knew that Ricky Burns, well, in my opinion, and I said it on last week's show, I said if Indongo or any other top contender, a legitimate top guy at 140, if they were legitimate, they would beat Ricky Burns. I think Ricky Burns is over the hill. He's a lovely, lovely guy. I don't think I said that on last week's show. I really, truly want him to do the best. But I did say if Ndongo is the real deal, he's going to win this fight. Um, and he turned out to be the real deal, many thought. He was very tricky. We know that Ricky doesn't get on too well with Southpaws. We saw that against Crawford. He just couldn't work out Ndongo, in my opinion, here. And Ndongo comes and does the job. Um, I don't know if I made it official. I wish that we did do the predictions now, Ayaz, because I would have said points win for Ndongo. He only had 12 knockouts, even though he was coming off of a real brilliant knockout in the first round against Troyanovsky. He's not really a banger on paper, and Ricky Burns had never been stopped either, and he still hasn't been stopped. So I would have gone with points, and you probably would have gone with Ricky Burns. But yeah, we didn't we didn't predict the you know we didn't do the prediction league. You wasn't on last week's show, but yeah, what did you think of the fight in total as Ricky Burns against Julius Indongo? I think Indongo performed very very well. Ricky did okay here, but the thing is, Indongo was class on the night. His phone is um, his phone is jab. Well, obviously, Ricky couldn't really land much. That's why Ndongo was Ndongo was like on top of him all the time. That's how Ndongo won the fight. Yeah, I think Ndongo. It seemed. I think there could, there might have been a chance that he was gonna tire down the stretch. Ndongo. We don't know too much about his engine, his gas tank, anything like that. We do know that Ricky is fit as a fiddle. We know that he, you know, he does not gas at all. He, we, he's completely full of energy, and unfortunately for him. He was trying his best, but he just, you know, Indongo just didn't run out of steam. And we expected him to, but it didn't quite happen. So a brilliant, brilliant win there for Indongo. And he goes back to Namibia with the IBF, the IBO, and the WBA World Super Lightweight titles. So he really announced himself on the big scene there. And um, now he's, you know, him and, him and Terence Crawford really... The, the, the two main men in the division in terms of titles. So, a, a great win for him. Um, personally, I think, as and I'm going to say this now, I think that, remember, we were hearing a lot about the Ricky Burns and Anthony Crawler fight. I wouldn't be surprised now if Anthony Crawler moved up to 140 and took on Indongo and we see him back over here. He's cheap. 
and we know that he would come over here for some more money so I believe we probably won't that won't be the last of him on British soil in my honest opinion but that's it for Scotland moving over now to a bill that happened over in the Mohegan Sun Casino I'm probably saying that wrong that one was in Connecticut USA uh, Sullivan Barrera moved to 19 wins inside 20 professional fights with a TKO in round 5 it was only scheduled for 10 his opponent Paul Parker was knocked out so Paul Parker's record now 8 and 2 as I said Sullivan Barrera 19 and 1 also on that bill heavyweight prospect Cassius Cheney moved to double figures his record now 10 and 0 a perfect record there with a unanimous win over six rounds against Juan Good, who now has a record of eight and five. So a good win there for Cassius Cheney. And that's really it for the review. And there wasn't too much action on last week. Just before we end part one, as always, it's the same every week. There's one last thing to do before we end part one. And that, of course, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-time cruiserweight world champion, Steve USS Cunningham. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, man. What's up? Hey, it's my back. pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you on. Now, Steve, you fought last month against Felipe Romero in a six-rounder at cruiserweight. Obviously, you won every round on, you know, you won every round of the fight on all judges' scorecards. Got the unanimous decision win. How did it feel in there, Steve? You know, I, we won. You know, it felt good, man. I, I, I've been out since my um, fight with Glavosky for last April, so it was only it was about eleven months. So we just wanted to get in there, get some rounds in. Uh, you know, the fight was scheduled for I think eight, but it got you know due to television, it got two rounds got taken off, so they turned to a six rounder. I didn't mind. I just wanted to get in there and uh, knock the knock the rust off and move on to the next. And obviously, you were at heavyweight for three years from 2012 to 2015. Now you're back at cruiserweight. That was a little bit surprising yeah. to me. What was the reason of the you know to move down, Steve? Well, you know, you you guys are following my uh, <clears throat> my career, my my heavyweight um, part of the career, and you see that you see the 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 decisions that I wasn't getting. Uh, you know, the Adamic fight, the second, my second rematch, my rematch with Adamic, you know, I clearly beat him. Uh, the judges didn't give me that fight. Um, the Tyson Fury fight, you know, went down the way it went. You know, I was winning and he was allowed to, uh, you know, do what he did. You know, he did what he had to do. You know, he, you're going to do what you're going to do unless they stop you. And so, you know, um, his size, you know, he was able to, you know, overwhelm me with his size and, um, that happened. Then you have the Glasgow uh, fight, you know, on HBO, and that was the one that that was one that kind of made really start making us look at, you know, these guys don't consider us the heavyweight, you know, the the, the business or whoever the powers that be, you know, because they're not giving us anything, you know. Even these fights that I win, the Glasgow fight was a hands down win. Adamic was a hands down win. You know, Fury, you can argue, it, Fury, the Fury fight was what it was. You know, Fury did what he had to do to win. Hats off to him. He won. He beat me. Uh, but we, we thought, you know, um, some things could have been done to, to, you know, to offset that. But so then I fight Antonio Tarver, and here it is. You know, this guy is, uh, you know, he he just looks like crap. <laughs> he looks out of shape. He... 
he, you know what I mean? And, and, and I outland him, I outpower punch him, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I literally beat him also and they, they call it a draw. And that's when, you know, we just made the decision to go, you know, Hey man, maybe we need to go back down to cruiserweight. I mean, now I'm with Al Heyman. He's got the cruiserweights fighting in America on television and they're making decent money, you know, here, you know, through PVC. So, we um we were like, hey man, let's let's go ahead, man, because that was my main reason for leaving the cruiserweights originally. You know, um, I didn't want to have to go to Europe all the time for every fight. You know, and you know it was just that was my main reason. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny you mentioned Glaskov there. He's had um, you know, he's he's been lucky with some of his decisions. I remember when he fought Malik Scott. That was you know, I just yep. don't know how that fight outcome came about. And then he got landed with some bad luck when he took on Charles Martin that night. But yeah, it is what it is. So, yeah. um, Steve, what's next for you? Do you know when you're next out? When you're next fighting at all? Well, we're we're working on that now. Uh, we're looking at one of these champions. We've got. We've got some good champions out here, man. You know, you've got Gassiev, you've got um, you've got Bradis, you've got uh, you got Shumanev, who's got a um, who's got a, a piece of the um WBA, and we've got Usyk. You know, so um, I I'm, I I feel I fear good against all of them. Uh, you know, the champion in me, man. You know, I'm two-time world champion. I, and, and what excites me is the challenge. So, you know, I see a young guy like Usyk, young, undefeated. Uh, that's a challenge for me. I, I, you know, I would really thrive and get up for that fight. Um, all of these guys, all these champions. So, you know, the cruiserweight division is very lively, is good. And, I mean, then you have Bell, Tony Bellew. Um, I guess, yeah, he got rid of his WBC. Or, I don't did they did Huck and um, Bradis fight for that? Yeah, yeah, it, it it got you know it got he got stripped of that. Yeah, I think he's yeah, been made so, the I mean, Emeritus champion. I think he can come back and fight for it straight away, yeah. sort of thing. But I don't think he's going to be a cruiserweight, to be honest, anymore. Uh, I mean, after, I mean, he did a great a great job beating David Hay, and um, you know, he made a lot of money, man. You're not going to make that kind of money in cruiserweight <laughs> division right now. So, um, I, I it wouldn't be a smart financially smart move for him to come back to cruiserweight. So. You know, uh, but the cruiserweight division is is live, man. It's beautiful, you know. And and I, you know, my thing is, I, I believe I can be three time world champion. I want to prove it to myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to go out and do it. You know, so um, I, that's why I'm, I'm here. That's why I'm still here. Yeah, it's interesting you said that. I I agree with the you know what you said about Bellew there, and the cruiserweight division is hotting up. You're still pretty much the undisputed number one American at cruiserweight, that's for sure. You named a few yeah, guys yeah. there, Steve. You named a few guys. You named the champions there, about four or five names. Have you got anyone in particular out of those guys that you target as the man you'd like to fight most? I mean, uh, they, they told I guess they have Usyk as the number one cruiserweight from what I've been hearing. I haven't looked at box rec or none of the rankings, but... You know, the way HBO talked about him a couple of weeks ago, it's like, hey, Usek is this, he's that, he's this, he's that. And you see he's pretty damn good. So, um, I mean, he's he's top of the list. Babu's top of the list. Uh, um, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you <laughs> listen, you guys know me. I'll fight wh- whoever, whomever, whenever. And uh, we'd be ready to roll. And obviously, you've been a pro now for 16 years. Um, you, you said oh. just there you want to prove to yourself that you can become a three-time world champion at cruiserweight. Is that the sole thing that drives you and motivates you forward at this point in your career, Steve? Not the sole thing, but it's one of the driving forces. Um, you know, 
I love what I do. You know, I really enjoy, I really like boxing. You know, I really love it. I really, um, I, I just love the challenge, you know, um, and I love staying in shape. Uh, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I feel great. You know, I look great and I perform you know, at, at a high level, you know, at, at a championship level. So um, I'm just, uh, that drives me, um, you know, uh, just having something to do drives me. Um, and But being world champion, three-time world champion now is such a driving force now that it really motivates me. Yeah, no, that's fair to say. And it's going to be four years in a couple of days since you fought Tyson Fury. You mentioned that fight uh, just briefly there. What do you remember of that fight, Steve? It was definitely a fight where I thought you was ahead. And then, as you say, Fury did what he had to do. But it was very, it was a very entertaining fight while it lasted, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I remember it's just a lot of things going on. You know, um, at that time, you know, uh, I mean, at, at the time of a fight, there's a lot of emotion you know, going on. I guess for me, I can speak for myself only, uh, you know, but uh, a lot of other fighters do attest to this too. There's a lot of emotion and I just didn't feel, you know, and, and that was coming off of the atomic robbery, you know? So going into that Tyson Fury fight, I felt that I had to fight more. I, I felt that I had to go in there and bang, you know, with this guy to show, to show the people that I'm a heavyweight, you know? Um, and, Kind of, that's kind of what allowed Fury to, um, you know, get get at me because I, I stayed in the pocket more. I, I I even, you know, tangled up with him some, you know, and just allowed him to lean on me. I should have used my legs more, but uh, going into that fight, man, it's like, wow, I'm fighting this huge guy. But, you know, it's like, all right, you know, size means nothing. So we're just going to go do what we got to do. And I remember after the knockdown, I hit him with a few more good, clean shots that wobbled him, and one, one, he kind of fell on me and and leaned on me, and uh, but then he started uh, just keeping his hands high and walking down, walking, 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 laying on me, laying on me, good tactic on his part, <laughs> you know. But um, I remember right there, I did get a little winded, but I I know I get a second and third win in the fight, so that round where he got the KO, um, I was thinking before that, I was thinking like, all right, you know, this is my round. I'm going to take this round off to an extent, but I know I'm going to have my second, third win coming up. But that was seventh round coming, so I knew I was going to be okay. But, uh, you know, he did what he had to do and, you know, uh, pent me there and got me out of there. So that was a, um, it was a big disappointment for me, though, because I felt I needed that. I needed that win big time just to kind of solidify me as a heavyweight. And I do want to ask you, Steve, obviously after that, you, you know, it ended the way it did a little bit controversially. You agreed to help yeah. him with sparring in the lead up to the Fury vs. Hay fight, which quite surprisingly, after a little bit of bad blood between you both in and around your fight, surprised a lot of people what were your reasons for going to his training camp and are you both cool now yeah oh yeah we're cool now man i mean i'm not um <clears throat> i really got chance to uh mingle with him hoogie and and peter you know uh peter was a real peter was the one who really stood out to me he's a real stand-up guy man i really liked uh dealing with peter it was no funny business. It was all it was all business, you know. And they told me what they wanted from me, why they wanted me there. Uh, my wife struck a pretty hard bargain. They they met the mean, you know. They they met her demands, <laughs> and uh, you know we got there. I'm not um I'm not one of them guys to to 
carry a grudge unless you've really done something, you know. And after the fight, you know, Brother Nazim, my trainer, he said he said about Fury. He said, man, listen, you know, if I was Fury, I'd have did the same thing. <laughs> you know, because he's like, there, there was no way Fury was going to outbox you. There was no way Fury was going to beat you at a boxing match. But at a who's the bigger guy match, Fury wins hands down. So my the only my fault in that fight was I allowed him to be the bigger guy, you know, without moving, staying mobile all the time. But so once we got to the camp, you know, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I'm thinking, hey, maybe they're trying to get me in the camp to knock me out and then, you know, post it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but then come to find out they were a little concerned with me, like, what's he is he here to knock Fury out, you know, or try to knock him out, you know, try to hit him again with that overhand and uh you know, but we all came to I guess by the second week it was all it was mad comfortable, man. We were all laughing, joking, giggling. We we went to uh Amsterdam together and <laughs> You know, just as a team. You know, I was I was part of this team. You know, I've been in numerous training camps. Vladimir, I mean, you name them. Oliver McCall, um, Larry Donalds. I mean, tons of tons of uh, training camps. And um, I'm a team player. You know, I know I'm there. You know, even as a world champion, I've sparred with Chris Bird numerous times. And I'm there to help this guy get ready for a fight. You know what I mean? So that same thing with um, Fury. I was ex- I wanted to see that fight. Badly though, him and Hayes, you know, that would have been an entertaining fight either way. But um, sad that it didn't go down. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about the camp, the camp life there, and all the names that you've sparred. I do want to ask you about that next. Um, as you said, right, you mentioned dude. a few guys there. You've you've sparred some top fighters over the years. Have you got any yeah. crazy names? I know you've thrown out a few there, but have you got any just strange ones that that was quite unbelievable that actually came to fruition? I got a chance to spar with uh, Keith Holmes for the Bernard Hopkins fight. Remember when um, they had that middleweight tournament going on with Trinidad, Joppy, Holmes, and Bernard? So uh, I got the opportunity to go spar with Keith Holmes for his fight against Bernard Hopkins. That was epic for me. And that was when I had like two or three professional fights. Um, I got a chance to spar with Fernando Vargas when he was an amateur. Well, no, when I was an amateur, I was a young amateur, like, 13 fights, no, 11 fights, and he, he was about, I think, 8-0 as a professional. Um, of course, he tore he tore me up. <laughs> I learned I learned a lot out of that sparring. Um, that chance to spar with Oliver McCall, that was awesome. Uh, he's very strong. Oh, man, Larry Donalds. I mean, dude. It's, yeah, I think Oliver, Oliver McCall's got one of the best chins ever in my Yeah, opinion. man, he's just a strong, hardcore guy. He keeps coming forward. Uh, chance to spar with Chris Johnson, man, Cedric Boswell. I mean, goodness, man, you name it. I've I've sparred with these guys, Vladimir. Um, and that Vladimir sparring is the reason I went heavyweight. You know, I felt that you know I did pretty damn good in there with with the best heavyweight in the world. So I was like, man, let me let me go ahead and you know tip my hat into this heavyweight pot and see see what we can do. You know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, I've been all over the place sparring with guys. I mean, really, that's how I used to That's how I used to make money, you know, because I was signed with Don King for eight years. So, you know, when you're signed with Don King, you're fighting twice a year, once a year. I fought once a year, and, and it wasn't a lot of money. So I would go to training camps. I've been in numerous – I've been at least four training camps with Chris Bird. You know, uh, me and him are like brothers now. Uh, you know, just sparring with all kind of people, man. That's the way – 
you know, you make money at what you're going to already be doing throughout the week training, and then you get to get this experience, you know, so it which helped me elevate my train, my fighting ability, you know, every time I spar with, I like to spar with guys that are better than me, you know. Yeah, it's like an apprenticeship, basically. When you think about it, yeah, you're yep. learning on the job. He's he's definitely, it's yep. definitely something. Now, I want to ask you about two fights that have happened just recently in the cruiserweight division. If you haven't seen the fight, Steve, you don't have to answer the question. But um, I wanted to ask you about the 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 recent Usyk and Michael Hunter fight. Did you happen to see that one at all? Yes, I watched that. I watched that. Um, you know. Mike Hunter, Mike Hunter did a very good job. Um, he did a damn good job. He did better than a lot of people thought he would, especially with a. Um, I think he had almost a year layoff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When, when you have a when you have a year layoff and you throw a guy in there with a champion, he's you know he's not going to be that you know comfortable. And you can see Mike wasn't a hundred percent at the time, but what he was doing was effective, you know, and um, it kind of. Um, you know, he touched Usyk here and there when he won it and showed me a couple of things. So, um, but it was a good fight, good performance on Usyk's part. He turned it up, you know, he turned it up and, 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 over, and overwhelmed Hunter. So, um, and literally almost got him out of there. So almost stopped him, but Hunter weathered the storm and, and that was, you know, hats off to him. Good job on both parts. Yeah, it was it was hard because we had Hunter on the show the week of that fight, so you know we we wished him all the yeah. best. And yeah, I think he did brilliant in the in the first in the first part of the fight, especially. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think he announced himself on the world stage. Really, him and you, I think that'd be a brilliant, brilliant fight, especially an all American clash at cruiserweight there. Yeah, Mike. Mike's. Uh, I knew Mike from the. Um, I met Mike years ago at the. Uh, I think it was the David Hay camp. Yep, it was the David Hay camp. You know, he was there sparring with Vladimir. And, um, you know, we met each other. Pretty cool young guy, man, up and coming. He's got that fighter bloodline in him, you know, <laughs> kind of like my son does. So, yeah, man, you know, it's true. I, I, I wouldn't want to fight my, you know, he's he's a close, you know, he's a friend. But, you know, money speaks, money talks, and this is a business. And if that happens, I'd be, you know, you know we had to do it. But, uh <laughs> You know, good stuff, yeah. man. Good matchups. The friends, you know, when guys know each other, they make the better matchups in boxing. If you ever, if you ever um, watch the fights where guys know each other or they're friends, those are some of the best fights. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes that is the case. It wasn't really the case against uh, Deontay Wilder and Malik Scott. That one, I didn't really like seeing. Oh that well, one, to be honest, but uh, I'm not going to speak too much on that. If we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's that a lot of speculation was... about that. But hey, man, <laughs> another fight, another fight, Steve. I want to ask you about if you did happen to see it. You mentioned it as well. Uh, Maris Breedis against Marco Huck. Did you manage to see that fight at all? Yeah, I saw um I saw a majority of that fight. Um it it was a good performance on Brady's part. I mean, the thing is, Marco Huck could only do so many things. I mean, not can only do, he only does so many things. You know, Mar Marco Huck doesn't utilize the jab. He doesn't utilize lateral movement. He just uses he just utilizes go and oomph and he tries to he throws big shots and he tries to get you out of there. The crowd loves it when it happens and it works. But you you know he's been doing that's all he's been doing all his career and that's one thing I we noticed when I fought him in 2007 you know is that this guy's a, he's a brawler so all you have to do is box this guy Bradis kind of outbrawls him and boxed him you know Bradis you know and he's strong you know strong too so you know all of that catch it hook man it was a good win very good win for Bradis. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely have to agree. And coming down to the last couple questions now, or the last proper question anyway, Steve. Um, a big, a big matchup happening in just a few days' time now. Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko. How do you see that that big clash unfolding? Oh man, that you know, ah man, you, you know, with Vladimir's last performance, you know, against Fury, I, I you know, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, because if you, well, no, there's two things to this. If we get the Vladimir that Fort Fury, of course, Joshua stops him. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Joshua's an exceptional athlete, you know, um, very good, young, still hungry as a champion, uh, strong, athletic. You know, he, he's the full package, I believe, you know. So, um, but fight, fighting a guy like Vladimir, who has been the king for so long, you can't help but think, like, maybe this is going to bring the best out of him. You know, maybe Fury just got into his head, you know, and as we know, Vladimir, you know, you can't get into Vladimir's head a bit. And, and with Emmanuel Stewart not really being there, you know, uh, pulling that monster out of Vladimir, as we've seen in, in a few fights uh, that needs to be done, uh, you know, Vladimir just kind of, he stayed in that one stagnant lane until literally the 12th round is around when he turned it up, but it was too late. But um, I... But then you also got to realize Vladimir, when he goes up against guys that he sparred, he's more confident and he, he, he does more things. So he sparred Joshua before, so he feels he can get Joshua. So he might go for it. So I don't know, man. I can't call this fight, man. I'm I'm throwing it, I'm just going to sit back and watch <laughs> and enjoy the show, enjoy the fireworks. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is a fight that everybody's looking forward to uh, every in every part of the world, to be completely honest. And the final question for you now, Steve, this is a question that I, I ask to everybody, to be honest, that we speak to from overseas, whether it's the USA, yeah. anywhere else. I want to ask you now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Who would you say is your favorite UK fighter? It can be past, it can be present from any era. Who's your favorite fighter from the UK, Steve? Oh, man, past. Johnny Nelson, man. Really? Yeah, man. I used to, you know, when he was a crew, he was a WBO cruiserweight champion, That's and right. uh, you know, I I just used to watch him, and I was, I think I just came on the scene, like just got into the rankings, or you know, really just broke into the world rankings, and I was like, oh man, you know, just looking at you know the guys I would probably have to fight if I was up at that level, and Johnny Nelson stood out, and especially at his age. He was still, you know, defending his title and winning. I just, I just really, I just really, uh, you know, that stood stood out with me, man. And his athleticism, his, his, you know, his his build, and you know, I just watched him like, wow, man, this dude's pretty decent. But I mean, listen, the UK, you guys got some awesome dude. I mean, I, you know, all the cruiserweights from the UK, I watched Enzo, Carl Thompson. <laughs> oh man, um, and, and and but you guys got some serious fighters. Um, just all, all across the board. Kel Brook is a favorite I like to watch. The dude is pretty exceptional. But uh, Johnny Johnny Nelson is the one that stands out to me, you know, on, on the top. Hey, that's fair enough. It's the first time we've had Johnny Nelson uh, nominated on, on, yeah. on, that, on, that, on that question. But uh, I'll take it. <laughs> right, Steve, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. I want to thank you for giving us a piece of your time. I wish you all the best in your goal to become a three-time world champion. And no doubt we'll catch up again soon. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the famous preview part. Just before we get into the previewing, though, we're going to go over to Ayaz with the hottest news of the boxing world this week.
Elder Alvarez will defend his WBC boxing silver light heavyweight title against Jean Pascal on June the 3rd at Bell Centre in Montreal, Canada. Yes, Alida Alvarez is a guy who's in the mandatory position, if I'm not mistaken, to take on Adonis Stevenson. Now, Adonis Stevenson paid him some step-aside money to take on um, a guy who we're going to be talking about in a moment, as I know you've got that on a piece of news. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But basically, Alida Alvarez is, is a real good prospect and you know he's been campaigning in Canada and obviously Jean Pascal also campaigns in Canada so that is a good fight in my honest opinion I don't think that Pascal's as good as what he was a couple of years back but for me that's a brilliant brilliant fight I really like that fight uh, that's really all I'm going to say on that one but yeah that's a great fight what date was that Ayers again? June the 3rd June the 3rd yeah definitely one I'm going to be putting in my diary Adonis Stevenson will defend his WBC light heavyweight title in a rematch against Andres Fonfara on June the 3rd at Bell Centre in Montreal. Okay, so it's going to be on the same bill. Okay, so yeah, as I just said there, um, Adonis Stevenson's paid Alida Alvarez some step-aside money so that he could face, originally he was going to be taking on Sean Monaghan or Monaghan, or whatever his name is. Um, he was going to be taking on him. For whatever reason, that fight's now fallen through. So it's a rematch with Fonfara. Fonfara did well against Stevenson, but he lost. And I can't see, really, any other conclusion to the fight. Fonfara had a little bit of momentum. He had a couple of fights, and then he got flattened by Joe Smith Jr. And he actually got a, a, a decent win just recently over Chad Dawson so that's probably the fight that or the win that has set this clash up but Chad Dawson was winning the fight against Fonfara all he had to do was stay on his feet and he got knocked out in the final few seconds of the last round so um, it wasn't a good win or anything there from Fonfara it just went to show really that he had you know the better engine of of out of himself and an aging Chad Dawson so yeah, decent win there, nonetheless, for Fonfara. But this fight against Adonis Stevenson really is not one I'm I'm really excited about at all. I will watch it, of course, but I'm not overly excited for that one. But a decent night of boxing it's going to be there at the Bell Centre. Luis Ortiz has suffered a thumb injury and has withdrawn from Derek Rossi's um, showdown on the Berto Porter undercard. Yes, right. He was going to be on the Porter and Berto undercard, but... Um, you know that was obviously scheduled for this Saturday, but he's pulled out of that fight with Derek Rossi. To be honest, I don't think Derek Rossi really had a chance anyway. Hopefully that fight doesn't get rescheduled. Hopefully we see Lewis Ortiz in something bigger, but we do want to see him more active. So I was excited on that point, but unfortunately he's picked up an injury and it's not going to be happening. But we will be looking out for what's next with that big man because he's a good big man. <laughs> Anthony Joshua vs Vladimir Klitschko will be televised live in the United States by Showtime. While HBO will broadcast a fight on delay. Yeah, it's pretty rare to see both um, broadcasters there, both showing the same fight, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just goes to show how big this fight is, even in the USA. You know, even in the USA, two fighters from from completely different parts of the world, obviously Ukraine and United Kingdom, European countries, to both. To make a fight in the heavyweight division that's that big that both the biggest broadcasters for boxing in the US both want a piece of it so it's great to see that happen to be completely honest it's great for the sport of boxing yep and that's it for the news
Okay, thank you, Ayaz. Moving over now to the famous preview part. We're going to start over in Australia at the Melbourne Pavilion. One fight to mention over there, former world champion Sam Solomon. Uh, he's in his 59th professional fight. He takes on Balas Horvath, who has a record of 29-21. and 21. Um, Sam Solomon obviously 44 and 14 it's a 10 rounder there at middleweight that's it for Australia moving over now to Finland uh, Johan Duapas his record at the moment 34 and 4 he's in an 8 rounder at heavyweight against David Gogoshvili who has a record of 17 and 4 just thought we'd mention that one anyway uh, big fight over in Germany actually this one's a good one I'm really looking forward to this Robin Krasnicki uh, his record 46 and 4 in his 51st professional fight against Arthur Abraham, who's also having his 51st fight as well. Arthur Abraham's record 45 and 5. It's a 12 rounder of super middleweight. I actually really like that fight. If I'm going to pick that fight, I'm going to go with Arthur Abraham. I think Krasnicki, when he's really stepped it up, I think he's come up short. Uh, I won't forget the beating he got given by Nathan Cleverly that night in the UK and um, to be honest I think that Arthur Abraham despite that one bad performance against Gilberto Ramirez who's probably the best at 168 he hasn't really had any off night since then he's obviously past his best but he still manages to scrape out some, some good wins when he needs to so I think Arthur Abraham in that one but a great great fight there for Germany moving over now to Poland one fight to mention on this bill um, former World heavyweight challenger Michael Grant, 48 and 6. He hasn't fought since 2014 in October. So it's been like, you know, it's been like two and a half years. He hasn't won since 2011 when he knocked out Franz Bofa in the final round, who was really old as well. So. You know, he shouldn't be in nowhere near a ring, to be honest. But he's taking on Christoph Zimnoch, who has a record of 21-1 and with one draw. He's an eight-rounder at heavyweight. And, unfortunately, Michael Grant is going to probably pick up another loss. But I don't even know why he's in this fight at all. That one's over in Poland at the Arena Hall. That's it for Poland. Moving over now to Sweden. One fight to mention over here. Uh, heavyweight contender Otto Wallin, 17-0. He fights for the vacant WBA Continental Heavyweight title against Gianluca Mandras, who has a record of 12-4. Otto Wallin, a decent-looking fighter. He's another prospect from Sweden. Uh, but we we do need to see him stepping it up pretty soon. Uh, that's it for Sweden. Moving over now to the UK. There's two bills to mention this week over here. We're going to start with the one happening in the Leicester Arena. Leicester, United Kingdom. Top of the bill. Tyrone Nurse. 34 and 2 with one draw. He takes on Joe Hughes, 15 and 2. Uh, this one, of course, is for Tyrone Nurse's British Super Lightweight title. He's in the same situation that Scott Carter was in last week. This is his third defense. So if he wins this fight, he gets to keep the belt outright. Tyrone Nurse is a man for me who's really talented, very, very hard to beat, but. He's hung around the domestic scene for a little bit too long for my liking. So I want to see him win this fight. He's now with Frank Warren. It's his first fight with Frank Warren. This is his chance to win um, you know, the British outright 
on a big stage with BT Sports involved as well. And hopefully after this fight, we see him pushed on to European level as soon as possible. Also on this bill, Zelani Tete, 24-3. and three. He takes on Arthur Villanueva, who has a record of 30-1. and one. That fight was supposed to happen on last week's bill, but um, it was moved from that Manchester show to this week because that show was a little bit too overcrowded hopefully that fight happens though that's a 12 rounder at bantamweight last week's guest tommy langford his record 18 and 0 he takes on avtondil kurt sidzi 32 and 2 with two draws that is going to be fight of the night that one's for the interim at wbo world middleweight title so i'm really really looking forward to that one another great fight on this bill actually a little bit of a trade fight jermaine smile 14 and 4 with two draws he takes on prospect daryl williams 14 and 0 daryl williams is a good fighter i've seen him fight a couple of times now it's a 10 rounder that one at super middleweight it's also for the english super middleweight title so a good strap on the line there for Daryl Williams, hopefully he does the business, he's the man on the up. Also, heavyweight Alexander Ustinov's on this bill as well, his opponent yet to be announced, his record 33-1 at the moment. Also on this bill, Anthony Yard, his record 9-0, his opponent yet to be announced, he's always very, very exciting, his fights don't usually go too long, it's an 8-rounder at light heavyweight, that one. Tom Stalker, his record 11-2 with 3 draws, hasn't really... Caught light as a pro, unfortunately, but he's in a six-rounder at lightweight against Chris Attaway. Chris Attaway, 6-26 and 26 with four draws. A bit of a strange one there, but uh, all the best to Tom Stalker. And also, the final fight to mention on that bill, Daniel Dubois. He gets out again, hopefully a little bit longer than his last fight that only went one round. He's in a four-rounder at heavyweight against Blaze Menduo, who has a record of 3-1. and one. Daniel Dubois, of course, with a perfect debut the other week, moved to 1-0. and oh. That's it for that one. Moving over now to the other British bill. This one happening in the Echo Arena. Top of the bill, Martin Murray, 34-4. and four. He takes on Gabriel Rosado. Martin Murray's also got a draw, I forgot to mention there. Gabriel Rosado, 23 and 10. Uh, this one's a 12 rounder at middleweight. Ayas, what do you think about this fight? What's your thoughts on the Martin Murray and Gabriel Rosado fight if you've got any? Oh, this is going to be a war. I tell you that, this is actually going to be a really war. Um, both both tough fighters, both being in with Golovkin, both being knocked out by Golovkin, both have failed to win a world title. This is going to be a grueling tear up. And uh, to be honest, um, I'm sitting in a, I'm sitting in the middle like who's going to win this fight. So one minute I'm choosing Rosado, one minute I'm choosing Murray, one minute I'm choosing Rosado, one minute I'm choosing Murray. In my opinion, obviously because it's in the UK, I'm gonna go with Martin Murray points win. Yeah, I can't see any of the guys being knocked out, despite, as you mentioned, Gennady Golovkin going through both of them like a hot knife through butter, though not so much in Martin Murray's case. He did take him about eleven rounds, which was quite impressive now. Um you know, it's one of those fights, it's it's not a brilliant, brilliant fight, but it should be a war. But they're both a little bit negative, so, you know, I'm not overly looking forward to this one. So you've got Martin Murray on points, Ayaz. We're going to try our best to do as many predictions this week as we can. I'm going to agree with you on that on that one, though, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go against you there. Um... There's nothing really to pick on the on the other bill. 
So we'll move down the undercard. Rocky Fielding takes on John Ryder. John Ryder was on our show last week as well. John Ryder, 24 and 3. This one's for the vacant British super middleweight title. Rocky Fielding, 23 and 1. Obviously a 12 rounder. Um, as I said, John Ryder's moving up in weight, or he's moved up in weight. He's had the one fight there. It was against Adam Etches, who was also moving up in weight. He looked a million dollars. He did a job on Adam Etches in truth. But Rocky Fielding's a man who's a natural 168. He can bang at that weight. He's good at that weight. He's only had the one-off night where he lost to Callum Smith. And apart from that, he's looked pretty solid. So it's a tough, tough test for John Ryder. But he does like tough tests. And I think he needs big fights to get up for. So um, it's an intriguing one. It's an intriguing one. Ayers, if you've got any thoughts on that fight, you can, of course... You know, tell us them. But have you got a pick for that fight at all, John Ryder and Rocky Fielding? I'm going to go with a Rocky Fielding points win. Yeah, it's a it's a tough ask for John Ryder. He he always puts himself in these fights, as I say. But uh, you know, being a friend of the show, we want him to win. We wish him all the very best. But um, oh, if I had to pick it, oh, it's so hard to say. I think Rocky Fielding probably probably may even get him out of there. Um, I really hope I'm wrong. I truly, truly do. You know, we don't like to be biased, but I'm being biased. I want Ro- I want Rocky Fielding to lose. I want John Ryder to be the victor. But it is a tough ask. It is a tough ask. As I say, he's only had the one fight at super middle. I think I'm going to go with Rocky Fielding to win by by a knockout inside the distance. But I so hope that I'm wrong. I hope that we're both wrong. I hope that Rocky Fielding loses. I hope that John Ryder does get the job done. But I will go with Rocky by knockout. At the moment, it's 4-3 on the Prediction League. As we said, I as you got a step closer when it was 4-2 by picking Lomachenko to win by knockout over Jason Sosa. I had him to win on points. So it is very close. There's just one fight in it. Moving down that undercard, Sean Dodd, 12-2 with one draw. Sean Masha Dodd, of course, he takes on Lee Appleyard, 10-2. and two. This one's for the vacant Commonwealth lightweight title. We wish Sean Masha Dodd all the very best. He's been a bit unlucky, to be honest, in a couple of his fights. So we hope he doesn't have the luck against him in this one. Um, Joe Caldina making his debut. That's going to be a good thing to see. He, of course, is another Olympian that Eddie Hearns signed and inked on the dotted line. So uh, Joe Caldina, we know he's a, he's, he's going to, you know, he's, he's one of them guys. He's almost definitely going to be a star as long as he stays focused, stays dedicated and stays grounded. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's got on his debut. And that's it for the two UK bills. Moving over now to, well, in fairness, this one's also in the UK. This one in Northern Ireland. One fight to mention over there on this bill. Um, This one's at the Devonish Complex in Belfast. Mike Perez, the heavyweight Cuban, he's been off the scene for quite a while since he got stopped by Alexander Povetkin in the first round, I believe it was. And that was a couple years ago now. So Mikey Perez gets out again. His record at the moment, 21-2 with one draw. It's going to be interesting. Interesting to see what he's got left. He definitely needs to dedicate himself to the sport if he's going to get anywhere, if that's even possible. I think time is definitely against him at the moment. Another bill to mention, again, this one's in the UK. My, my apologies, saying there was only two bills. Big Sexy Sean Turner, he's in his 11th contest. He's got a perfect record at the moment, of course, 10-0. Uh, he takes on Camille Sokolowski, who has a record of 3-9 and nine with two draws. Moving over now to the final 
two bills. I believe it's the final two bills of this weekend. This one's a great, great bill. This one is the best bill of the weekend. I'm not sure if anybody's picked it up. I think maybe Box Nation might have picked it up in truth. Um, top of the bill, Oscar Valdez, 21-0. He takes on Miguel Mariaga, who's a real banger, 25-2. That's a great fight for Oscar Valdez's WBO World Featherweight title. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Jesse Magdaleno defending his WBO World Super Bantamweight title, the title he won from Nanito Denaire. His record 24-0. He takes on Adilson Dos Santos, who has a record of 18-2. We've seen Adilson Dos Santos come over to the UK and take on Kid Galahad. I think it was maybe his last fight before his drug ban, and he got outpointed by Kid Galahad pretty conclusively so it's going to be interesting that one but I think Jesse Magdalena will do a job on him and finally on this bill it's a great great bill as I did say uh, Gilberto Ramirez we talked about him earlier he's in his 35th pro contest his record at the moment a perfect one 34 and 0 he takes on Max Bursak 33 and 4 with one draw Gilberto Ramirez puts his WBO World Super Middleweight title on the line as well. A lot of people, including Joe Gallagher, believe that Gilberto Ramirez is the main man at 168. Uh, Max Bursak, we was going to see him in there against Billy Joe Saunders at some point last year, but due to a few injuries, that didn't come off. And of course, he gets a big shot here at Gilberto Ramirez, but I believe he will get the job done. And another fight to mention on this bill, the pro debut of Shakur Stevenson. He's in a six-rounder at featherweight. He takes on a man called Edgar Brito, who has a record of 3-2 and two with one draw. Shakur Stevenson obviously signed, if I'm not mistaken, by Andre Ward. And he's a real, real talent, Shakur Stevenson. So it's going to be a pleasure watching his pro career unfold. Uh, final bill of this weekend, over at the Barclays Center, Brooklyn. There's a lot of boxing on this weekend. This one, of course, in New York, USA. We're going to talk about the three undercard bouts. We've got a two undercard bouts, then the main event. Uh, two undercard bouts, both for world titles, but the main event is a non-title bout. We're going to start with the first undercard fight. Amanda Serino, 31-1. and one. She takes on... Dahania Santana, who has a record of 35 and 8. Uh, that should be a good fight, looking at the two records on paper. It's for the vacant WBO World Female Bantamweight title, so all the very best to both ladies in that one. Uh, Jamel Charlo, the remaining Charlo at 154, he takes on Charles Hatley. Charles Hatley 26 and 1 with one draw Jamel Charlo 28 and 0 he puts his WBC World Super Welterweight title on the line against Charles Hatley as I said that should be a real good fight I know Charles Hatley was um furious at uh, at both of the Charlo brothers he really wanted a shot I think to be honest he's probably in too deep a little bit Jamel Charlo seems to be pretty special although Jamal Charlo seems to be very special despite moving up to 160 I believe he's going to be a force at 160 because he's seriously full of talent. And the main event, Ayaz, I'm going to go to you for the predictions on this one as well. Firstly, your thoughts on this fight before we talk about the predictions. Sean Porter, 26-2 and with one draw in one corner. In the other corner, Andre Berto, 31-4, and zero draws. It's a 12-rounder at welterweight. As I said, this fight doesn't need a belt. It's a good fight for the welterweight division, especially over in the USA, especially you know, that fringe world level, I suppose. What's your thoughts on this fight before we talk about the predictions, Ayaz? Good fight, this one, Porter and Berto. 
it's a very good fight. I can tell you that for a fact. They're both ex-world champions. Um, we haven't seen uh, Porter for a very long time. The last time we saw him fight was in was when he fought uh, Keith Furman and he lost that to Keith, and he lost to Keith Furman. But with with a win wise, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Porter because uh, I think he's he's very tough. He gave Kell Brook a fight. He gave uh, Keith Furman a fight, a tough fight. But um, I think Porter's Porter's gonna rough Butter up. Yeah, I absolutely agree with every word you said there. I think that, in my honest opinion, Berto is over the hill. You know, he's he didn't look great against Victor Ortiz, and that was a couple of years back now. And he hasn't really looked good since then. Obviously, he never had a chance against Mayweather, but he, for me, hasn't really looked too good. But it's almost been a whole year since he's been out the ring. As I say, he's over the hill. I don't think many people can, can keep Porter off of them. I think Kell Brook did a great job of that. But I think Berta at this age, I don't think he's got it in him to do it. Uh, obviously, Porter coming off the loss to Keith Furman's not ideal. Remember, he got that win over Adrian Broner as well at the back end of, or mid-2015, just looking at it. Um... Yeah, I think I think Porter wins this fight. I am gonna go with Porter to win this fight by knockout. So you're going points. I'm gonna go knockout. So we can be we can we, you know we can be separated there for the prediction league once again four three at the moment. But no, that's a it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I think that you know really and truly, Berto's not world level. I don't think he's world level. I think he loses to probably every guy in the top fifteen. Uh, I think he's he's just an old dog, really, with a name, you know, unfortunately. And I don't want to be too harsh, you know, he's, he's supposed to be the nicest guy. But Sean Porter, I think he's a little bit too fresh, a little bit too big and strong at this point in Berto's career. So, for me, it, it should be a win, a relatively easy win for Porter. If he loses a few rounds in this, I'll be quite surprised. But that's it for that one. That's it for this weekend's fights. There's one fight to mention on Tuesday of next week. But the show, again, we do the show every Thursday. So by the time Thursday comes around next week, the fight would have already happened. So we're going to talk about the fight just before we let you go. It's, of course, happening next week. So it's on Tuesday, the 25th of April. One fight to mention over in the Fitzgerald Casino and Hotel in Mississippi, USA. Uh, really, there's there's a couple fights on the bill. Mario Barrios, 18-0, good prospect in the super lightweight division. He's in a 10-rounder against Nelson Lara, who has a record of 17-7 with four draws. That should be decent there. And also Brandon Figueroa, 11-0. His opponent yet to be announced. That one's at super bantamweight. So just two fights there for two prospects. We thought we'd throw it in there. It's happening next Tuesday. We'll talk about those results, of course, next Thursday on next week's show. But that's it for the reviewing. That's it for the previewing. We've done the news. The last thing to do before we wrap up the show, of course, is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current British light heavyweight champion, Mr. Frank Bullioni. Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Joey. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure speaking to you, my man. Now, first things first, happy birthday for yesterday. Did you do anything nice for you? Oh, thank you. Uh, I've got two training sessions in and uh, <laughs> a bit of, bit of work with my physio, so that's uh, it was a good day, it was a successful day. <laughs> Am I the first person in the uh, out of all the interviewers that wish you happy birthday? Uh, yeah, but well, you're you're the second, um, Brooke Stratfield, okay. a good friend of mine, um, I've been working at KO uh, London Magazine, so uh, she, she wished me happy birthday uh, yesterday, all right. she's on the book. 
I'm the first man anyway. I'll take that one. Right, listen. That's it. <laughs> we spoke last on this show just after you beat Hosea Burton. Obviously, we had we had a good chat actually at the uh, the, the Bell you and Hayway, and that was that was the last time I saw you. Yeah. Um, you were nursing an eye injury at the time. You had a cut. Is that fully healed now? I take it. Yeah, that's uh, that's com- that's completely better now. And um, start sparring this week. Um, so I've done some some light technical sparring. Um, had the all clear from the plastic surgeon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in good spirits and uh, I'm, I'm itching to get in there and uh, throw some punches. Absolutely. So as you say, you're fighting on the 3rd of June at the O2 against Ricky Summers in what will be your first yeah. defence of the British. Um, what do you know about your opponent, Frank? Obviously, he also has a uh, an unbeaten record, just like Jose Burton did. I know you're definitely ready to take another row, two on the bounce. Yeah, that's it. Um, no, I mean, Ricky Summers, I, I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, anyone that comes to fight for that British title, they're going to give 100%, um, and they're probably going to perform to their best. I mean, I've had it with the likes of Andrew Robinson and Lee Markham, um, British domestic clashes, and they've um, they performed re- really well. Uh, I'd say, go, go, go as much as say, they've performed out of their skin. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect the best Ricky Summers... Um, to, to face me, I expect him to to put every single bit of effort and uh, knowledge into his training camp, and be at 100% um, fitness and desire come uh, June the 3rd. But that being said, I've I've got the uh, I've got the experience on my side. I've been there, I've done it before, and I'm I'm certainly willing to go there and do it again. And obviously, Frank, you fought at the O2 Arena just the once, and the fight was over in the first round when you knocked your opponent out in your first European title defence. So here you are in your first British title defence. It's one of the best venues for atmosphere, in my opinion. You looking forward to fighting there again, Frank? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a fantastic venue, probably one of the best in London, um, aside from maybe Wembley Stadium. I think the O2 is, is phenomenal. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a real honour to be there and be chief support. And um, one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to going to. And I saw that it looked like you did a little bit of acting the other day. Is that right, Frank? Yeah, yeah. Just had a had my uh, me debut for my me, uh, me first film part. And um, that was in Terry Stone's um, Once Upon a Time in, Time in London. So um, it's all about the, the rise of um, the gangsters in London back in the 40s uh, with the Billy Hill and um, Jack the Spot. So... Um, yeah, that should be a should be a very interesting uh, film. I mean, it was a it was a great day uh, on on set and uh, meeting all the all the cast and crew. And um, no, I appreciate what they put into it and how they how they go about their their work. I think um, it's, there's a lot to be said for these actors um, at the top of their game. They um, they really they really know their stuff. Yeah, we definitely have to pay attention for when that comes out. Now, a man that you fought previously, Fedor Chudinov, today it's been announced that he's taking on George Groves. If I'm not mistaken, you've done quite a few rounds in sparring with George. Um, that one's going to be yeah. happening on the Brook versus Spence undercard. What are your thoughts on that one, Frank? I know that you should be able to give a decent account of this fight. Yeah, I, I think it's a real 50-50. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I got my tactics right when I fought um, Chudinov. I think I should have probably stuck it on him a little bit more. I, I, I know I had the uh, the hurting of it. He, um, he he throws a lot of um, shots. He throws good combinations. He's obviously very tough, very resilient, and he's um, he's got a good boxing brain. So I think it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a very good fight between him and Groves. 
um, but one that I, I certainly think Groves can edge it if he gets his tactics right. I think he's got a, he's got, he's got a set of good pace, um, set traps, um, be very sharp with that jab and not let you not get into a rhythm. And um, if he hurts him, jump on him and, and make sure that he really, really hurts him. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm hoping to do a few rounds of um, Groves in the lead up to, to both our fights. So um, that be I'll have an in-depth chat with him and um, try and give him some advice yeah, absolutely hopefully he does get the job done but definitely a good fight now next weekend we're closing in on the Joshua vs Klitschko fight obviously a huge huge fight doesn't matter where you are in the world you know it's happening what are your thoughts on that one Frank last time I'm going to probably speak to you before the fight so I uh, just wanted to get your views on that one really we've been asking everybody lately yeah no again I think it's, um, it's a very competitive fight I think Tyson Fury got into Klitschko's head Whereas I don't think Anthony Joshua has, has got into his head as much. Um, I think it's I'm, I'm leaning towards Anthony Joshua. Um, I mean, he's, he's got devastating power, and um, Klitschko can certainly be hurt, even though he hasn't been hurt um, in recent times. I think he's uh, age might catch up with him and play a big big part in that um, fight. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna lean towards either a mid to late stoppage with Anthony Joshua or um, Joshua on points um, I don't think it's going to be a foregone conclusion that's for sure yeah definitely an intriguing fight nonetheless two last questions for you now Frank before we let you go when we last spoke it was a rumoured fight but now it's on uh, Chisora versus Hellenius the rematch is on I just wanted to basically ask how's Derek looking at the moment obviously being a gym mate of yourself yeah he's, uh, he's really putting the work in um Every time I've been in the gym and he's been, he's been training before me, um, he's been putting his miles in on the road as well. Um, he gets up and he does it really early in the morning. He likes the discipline of that. And um, yeah, he's, he's firing all cylinders. I think um, he's, he's really got a spark back. Um, he's been doing some great work with, with Don Charles. And um, by all accounts, he's looking inspiring. And um, I think it's a, it's a fight that he knows he can win. He's done it before. Um, so he's got a lot of confidence going into this fight. And um, I think he'll go and he'll, he'll go and do a good job on the Hellenius. He'll take the victory. Yeah, we certainly hope so. As most people know, he deserved it the first time. In all, in all honesty. Yeah. And finally, Frank, um, I'm going to ask you this question because realistically, when you look at your record on paper, you are quite a banger. Um, how do you see yourself winning your fight? If you've got a prediction for us against Ricky Summers, June the third, O2 Arena. I'm I'm going out there. Um, to, to do a number on Ricky Summers um, I won't um, I won't leave a stone unturned in training camp um, I was I was flying getting ready for the Master Ball show before the cut happened um, so I expect the uh, the training to go the same um, obviously without without any illnesses and injuries um, so yeah I, I expect to go in there and um, win win quite predominantly whether that comes with a stoppage I think Ricky Summers is a very tough strong guy and um, he'll want to stay in there for the full 12 rounds, but I'm going to do my utmost to make that very, very difficult for him. So it'll either be a wide point win, um, or I'll get him out of there. Um, I would I would say that it'd probably be a late stoppage, um, because I come on strong in the later rounds. Um, but if I catch him early, I'll certainly jump on him and take the opportunity. So I'd, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd be looking at mid to late stoppage or a wide points victory. 
Okay, bad news for Ricky, Ricky Summers. Now listen, Frank, as you know, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy yourself tonight. Thanks for giving us a piece of your time, and we'll speak again after your fight, of course. Joey, thank you very much. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the exposure and the, uh, the interview. And that wraps up what has been episode 79. That makes it 159 guest appearances in 79 shows, just over the equivalent to two per show. Steve Cunningham was world champion number 30 we've hosted on the show as well. It's been a pleasure bringing you yet another episode of the Box Hard Podcast. A big thank you to our two guests, the former cruiserweight king Steve Cunningham and one of the coolest cats in boxing, the British light heavyweight champion Mr. Frank Buglioni. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week.